Well, good morning, church. How are we? Good morning. All right. All right. Go ahead and get your, uh, your Bibles out, get your copy of God's Word out. We're going to be, as, as Brad just said, in, back in our study in Philemon chapter 1, the only chapter in Philemon. So if you're hunting for chapter 2, it's not there. It doesn't exist. Chapter 1, starting in verse 8 this morning. Um, if you are with us this morning and you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's completely fine. If you look underneath a seat near you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. If you don't own a Bible, write your name in that one, take your notes in that one, take that one home. That's our gift to you this morning. And so as you're getting your Bibles out, um, I, I want to kind of start us off with a statement here. I think that most of us in this room have had people in our lives that we looked up to growing up, didn't we? We had, we had someone in our life that was our role model, whether it was a mom or a dad or a grandparent, maybe an older sibling. We had someone, or even a friend, you know, we had someone in our life that, that we looked up to as we were a child or in our teen years. As we grew, we looked up to them. They were our role model. No matter who it was that we looked up to, we always tried to mimic what they were doing, right? In every situation and everything they did, we tried to mimic what they were doing. And for me, my, my role model was my dad. He's actually here this morning sitting in the front row, but he, my dad was my role model. He's my hero, right? He's, he's someone I've always looked up to for years and years since I was a little itty-bitty kid. I looked up to him, right? I wanted to do things just like dad did them. I wanted to walk like dad. I wanted to talk like dad. I wanted to shave like dad. Or if you see him now, not shave like dad. <laughs> I wanted to... I wanted to be just like him, right? When I, when I got old enough to play sports, I knew dad was a football player in high school, so I was like, all right, I'm a football player. From a very young age, I knew what I wanted to do. Right? When I got into, into middle school and high school, I knew dad played offensive line, he played center, and I knew, like, I'm a center, like, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna snap the ball, I'm gonna play O-line. Like, that's, I knew that. And when I got into high school, dad was number 60, so I already knew, like, I'm strapping on number 60. Like, that's, that's my number, I wanted to be just like dad. I tried to mimic his every move. And as we, we do this, because whoever we're mimicking in our minds sets the standard for good, right? It's the, that's the bar, right? We, we see this person, we, we're like, yeah, I want to be just like them, and, and everything they do is good, and so it's, that's the standard, right? We try, to, we try to hit that same bar that they have set. Their actions we see as good, so we mimic them. As we think about Jesus as Lord of our lives, as our Father, He should be our ultimate role model. He should be the ultimate role model in our lives. Amen? Jesus sets the standard for good. So it is Him who we should be ultimately mimicking, right? It's, it's perfectly fine to have a hero that we, that we try to be like and we follow, but Jesus should be the ultimate role model in our lives. We should be asking ourselves, how can we be more like Jesus? That answer to that question can be found right here in his word. And this is the re one reason why it is so important to be in God's word daily, right? to have time in God's word every day, so we can personally know the God who we love and who we serve and who we walk with and who we walk in. Right? In everything we do, in every situation, we want to react and act just like Christ did. And we can find how he reacted in every situation right here in his word. There are so many examples of that in his text, because the thing about 
the Jesus, or I'm sorry, Jesus, the Lord that we follow, he won't ask you to do anything that he has not done first. Right? He came in flesh, God himself came down in flesh and walked as a man and will show us and has done everything that he's asked us to do, he did first, right? He's, he set the bar for us. So today, through this letter to Philemon, we will see how the Lord is calling us to live specifically in forgiveness, right? We're going to see today how the Lord is calling us to forgive like he forgives. God is going to show us through his word as followers of Jesus, we must today forgive like Jesus. Right? That's the, the big idea, the, the overarching idea is as followers of Jesus, we must forgive like Jesus. In everyday human relationships, we're going to hurt one another, right? We know that. We know it's, it's inevitable, right? In every relationship, at some point in time, there's going to be a, a, a situation where you are hurt or you hurt someone else. Right? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin against one another. We're going to constantly fall short. short. Every, in, in almost every relationship, there will be a time where we, we fall short. As people in the world, we're going to come up against these situations where the need for forgiveness is needed. It, it's, it's going to be a constant in our lives. And today we're going to see how God wants us to respond to these situations. So we're going to dive right into the text this morning. If you're ready, say amen. amen. All right, let's go. Philemon 1, starting in verse 8, Paul says this. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if, you're, if you consider me your partner... Receive him as you would receive me. If he was, has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So what we're going to see in this, in this letter today is how we're supposed to handle these situations of forgiveness. Right? God's command to us in the letter of Philemon today is going to show us three ways we are to handle forgiveness in a Christ-like way. And the first is this. When someone has wronged us, we must receive them like Christ. Read with me again. Let's zone in here again on verses 10 through 13. Paul again says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in, in my imprisonment, Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. 
I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. So Paul says here, he opens up here and he says, I'm appealing to you for Onesimus. So he's appealing to Philemon for Onesimus. But why? Why is he he appealing for Onesimus? Well, if you weren't here with us last week as we we opened up our study of this text, let let me fill in some gaps for you here. Philemon who this letter is addressed to, who Paul is writing to in this letter, is a, is a devout follower of Jesus, right? And he lives in the city of Colossae. In fact, he's such a devout follower that the church in Colossae, the Colossian church, who Paul also writes to in this time period, meets in his home, right? They have a house church in Philemon's home. And at some point in Philemon's life, he met Paul. He heard the gospel of Jesus from Paul. He believed the good news of Jesus. His heart was then transformed by the gospel, and now he's living a life for Christ, right? He's a devout man of God, and he's heavily involved in spreading the gospel in his city, in Colossae. We also know from from our text that Philemon owned a slave named Onesimus, who escaped and ran to Rome, right? And and just to, to, to preface this, like slavery during this time was, was mainly economic, right? It's not the slavery that we're used to here in the last 200 years in, in North America. The slavery during this time in this Roman Empire was largely based on economics, right? You were, if you were too poor to feed your family, you sold yourself into bond service to, to support your family. And so Onesimus had done this, and now he's escaped from Philemon's service. And he's cut and run and ran to Rome. And that's where our story picks up today. We see here that Paul is writing to Philemon and he's appealing to him for Onesimus. Right? He's making an earnest request to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And why is he doing this? Right? Why, why does Paul care what happens to Onesimus? Well, he's doing this because in this period of time, in this culture, the penalty for escaping bond service, for escaping slavery, was a death. Right? It's execution. If you were caught... As an escaped slave, you are returned back to your owner and then executed. So by law, if Philemon catches Onesimus, he can legally have him executed for escaping. And what we're seeing here is Paul pleading with Philemon to receive Onesimus and hear him out. Right? But why does Paul care about this situation? Right? Why, why is this on Paul's mind? Well, there's three things we can see from this text as to why Paul cares. The first is this. We know from the introduction of this letter that Paul and Philemon are very close friends. Right? They're brothers in Christ. Both men are walking together, striving to be more like Jesus. So Paul here cares about the decision that Philemon's going to make, whether to execute his slave or not. That they're walking together, they're striving to be more Christ-like together, And Paul cares about that. He also describes his love for Onesimus. He says in the text here, he's sending his very heart back to Philemon. He has love for this this man. And finally, that he says that Onesimus was formerly useless, but now useful to the kingdom of God. So this kind of gives us a background of of kind of what happened with Onesimus, right? He, He ran from Philemon, he took off, he ran to Rome, and he runs into who? Paul. Right? He, he flees from Philemon, and he runs into a guy that Philemon knows very intimately. 
right? And even, even the, the Bible says, Paul says here, he says uh, for this in verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Paul's saying that the Lord might have ordained this. Like, how is it that, that this guy from Colossae, who's your slave, runs to Rome and runs into me in this massive city? So he, he runs into Paul, and there we know that Paul is spreading the gospel. In fact, he's imprisoned for spreading the gospel in Rome. Onesimus hears the gospel in, in one way or another, and it transforms him. He begins to serve Paul, who was imprisoned in Rome at this time, as I said. He becomes redeemed through faith in Jesus, through the gospel, and he begins to faithfully serve Paul and serve Jesus in Rome, but there's an issue. I'm imagining that one day he just goes up to Paul and he's like, hey, I'm an escaped slave. Onesimus has some unreconciled issues back in Colossae. A criminal matter of escape that Paul directs him you have to rectify this. Like, you have to seek reconciliation here. So what we're seeing in the beginning of this letter is the appeal that Paul is, is reaching out to Philemon and letting him know, like, hey, I'm sending Onesimus back to you, your escaped slave. He's going to come back with two letters. One letter is this letter that I'm writing you, and the other one is the letter to the church in Colossae. Receive him. Right? Welcome him back. Welcome him in. Let him into your home. Let him get face to face with you. Even though legally Philemon could have Onesimus locked up in chains, the moment he saw him and executed, Paul is pleading with him. He's saying, receive him who wronged you. Let him into your home. Let him reconcile, right? We, 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 even though he can legally do this, Paul's saying, let this man in, receive him so reconciliation can begin. Church, reconciliation can't happen from a distance. Right? People who have wronged us, situations that need reconciled, they can't be healed if we avoid these people in these situations. Right? We have to get face-to-face with these issues. Right? In order for reconciliation to start, we have to pursue them, and we have to let them in. When we look at Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, we can see that he is constantly surrounded with people who are in desperate need of forgiveness, right? He's, he's in constant contact with people who have sinned against God, and he is God. And so he's, he's constantly face-to-face with people who need his forgiveness. And if you're the, the wrongdoer, right, if, if the, the situation that needs reconciled is the situation that you've caused, we're being called to seek reconciliation as well. So not just as Philemon here, where we are called to receive, we're also called to seek reconciliation. Remember, Paul's sending Onesimus back to Philemon, and he could be killed. But he's saying, reconciliation is that important. Like, it's worth the risk. You need to reconcile this situation. That's how important it is to reconcile and forgive in our lives. If we are followers of Jesus, we should seek reconciliation in any situation that needs it. For some of us, in here this morning, that's a, a past relationship, maybe a past marriage, or maybe it's a, a friendship that went south, or maybe it's a relationship with a parent that's just not right. We need to seek forgiveness in these situations. We need to seek reconciliation in this, these situations. We must both come face-to-face with someone that needs reconciled with, 
or give those who need to reconcile with us an audience to do so. Right? We have to make the first step. And we see this in Paul's letter to Philemon. And that's not all that we see. Right? God's word is going to show us today. Paul is going to show us a second way that we are to handle forgiveness in situations. Read with me in verses 14 through 16 again. Paul says, But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord. The second way that we are to handle forgiveness, when someone has wronged us, we must forgive them like Jesus. That's what Paul is telling Philemon here. Right? He's asking him to forgive Onesimus, to take him back forever, but he's saying you're not welcoming him back as a slave into your life. You're not just saying, hey, you can have your old job back and I won't kill you even though you deserve it. What he's saying is welcome him back as a brother in Christ instead. I mean, Onesimus is a criminal. He's a criminal. And not only did he flee from slavery, flee, flee from bond service for what he's wanted for, in the next point, as we move to the next part of text, we will see that Onesimus didn't just run from Philemon. He also probably stole money for him on the way out. Like he didn't leave empty-handed. He took a little something for the trip. Paul's requesting here that Philemon not only forgive him for the crimes committed against him, but also that he no longer treats Philemon, or I'm sorry, Onesimus as a slave, but as a beloved brother in Christ. And this is radical forgiveness, church. Like this is, this is next level radical reconciliation that Paul's leading his brother Philemon to. If we think, think about this in our context, think about a situation in your life right now that needs reconciliation. A situation that in your heart, you're like, that's never, that's never gonna happen. Right, that situation, that's dead and gone. That's never going to be reconciled. The Lord calls us to radically forgive others. Like, there's no situation that can't be reconciled with the Lord and through Jesus. In fact, look what Jesus himself has to say on this radical way we are called to forgive in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, Jesus was recorded, recorded saying this, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. In Matthew 6, 14, he, he says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is a command, right? This is why this, this is played out in the book of Philemon. This is why this letter between two friends made it into the Bible. This is something we must do, right? Jesus says, you must forgive them. You must forgive like Jesus did. And we must forgive others because we are forgiven, right? That's the motivation to forgive others. That's the motivation for reconciliation. We must forgive because Jesus forgave us first. There's no situation that can't be reconciled through Jesus. Now let's think about that for a minute. 
Let's, let's sit under that for a second. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of this. As we said earlier, he's not just asking us to do this and he's never done it. He gave us the ultimate example of radical reconciliation. He's not just commanding us to live this way. He lived it first. The greatest example of forgiveness ever is in the gospel of Luke in chapter 23. And we'll have it on the screen behind us here. This is the section of the gospel depicting the crucifixion of Jesus. Read with me in Luke 23, 33 through 34. It says this. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And listen to this church in verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, sit under those words coming out of Christ's mouth for just a minute here. As he's being nailed to a cross, as metal spikes are tearing through the flesh of his palms and of his feet, he is begging for the forgiveness of the men who are holding the hammers. I mean, sit under that for a second. He's being crucified and he's begging for the forgiveness of the men who are doing it to him. We are called church to forgive just like that. Like that's what God calls us to do, is to be forgiving like his son. I mean, we sinned against him and he still gave up his life for us so that we could be sinless in God's eyes. He took on our sin and forgave us so that we could be seen sinless in God's eyes. And as, fo- as followers of Jesus, we must forgive one another as Jesus forgave us. And this is what the Lord is commanding us to do in his word this morning. And continue with me as we read in verse 17, Paul says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him, Onesimus, as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, Charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. The final way we are called to handle forgiveness in our lives. When someone has wronged us, we must reconcile like Jesus. Right? That's what Paul's showing us here. He's saying two things here. He's saying first that, that Philemon should receive Onesimus as he would receive Paul. He's saying, Welcome him as he returns to you, a criminal, a man who has sinned against you. Welcome him as if you would welcome me. And we're going to come back to that here in just a second. The second thing he says is if Onesimus has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, Paul says, I'll repay it, right? I'll settle up that debt, charge it to my account. Remember earlier I mentioned that it is believed that when Onesimus ran, he didn't leave empty-handed. He probably stole from his master. Paul is letting Philemon know, whatever he took, give it to me, I'll pay it back. I'll pay for it. The example that Paul is setting here is incredible, church. I mean, let's, let's look at this. As we look back on all that Paul has commanded us, all that he's, the ways that he's leading Philemon in this situation we can see exactly what he's doing. Paul is mimicking Christ. He's mimicking Jesus in this situation. 
If we look at the roles in this situation, this wrong that needs reconciled, we will see that this is an exact recreation of what Jesus did for us on the cross. If we look at this situation, we think about how Onesimus committed a crime against Philemon as we as human beings sinned against God, that like Onesimus, we sinned in the punishment for our sin, the debt that we owe, the wages for our sin is death. Just like Onesimus, Onesimus, we owe death, right? The wages for sin is death. But Jesus, right? Or in this case, in this letter, but Paul has interceded. And in our, in our sake on the cross, but Jesus interceded for us and appealed to God as Paul is doing to Philemon in this letter. This is the gospel literally lived out. Paul saying, I will take on the debt, just as Jesus said, I will take on the death that they owe. Receive them as you would receive me. Right? Jesus tells God, receive them as, as you would see me, as your son. What we just read isn't a letter between two friends asking for a favor. It is pure gospel lived out in real life. It's an example of living and loving people as Jesus did. Paul saying, this is how you do it. He's instructing Philemon and also showing him how to do it. It's an example of living and loving people as Christ did. And Paul furthermore tells us in verse 20 what the results of forgiving like Jesus are. Read with me again in verse 20. He says, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul says that he will he will gain something from seeing Philemon's heart move to forgive Onesimus. He says, it will refresh my heart in Christ. He says something very similar to this in Romans 5, 8 through 11, which we'll have on the screen here behind us. In Romans 5, 8 through 11, Paul says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And listen here what he says in verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Church, what Paul is telling us here in Philemon, the benefit of forgiving like Jesus is our joy and his glory, right? That's what we wanna take home for us. That's the, that's the benefit, right? Is peace in Christ, in reconciliation, and for his glory. Jesus chose to lay down his life for us, to take the death that we deserved and give us his righteousness, right? So we could be reconciled to God for the sins that we had committed, he switched places with us, right? He, though he was sinless, the Bible says that though he was sinless, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So we could be seen in God's eyes as righteous. Right? He took on a debt that he didn't, he didn't deserve so that we could be seen as righteous through God's eyes. Church, if Jesus can forgive like that, we can forgive others. So if you have a relationship that needs reconciling right now, no matter how bad that situation is, 
right? No matter how far gone you think that situation is, we must forgive like Jesus, right? We must extend forgiveness, the same forgiveness that Jesus extended you to others. We must do this, church. We, we have to be a people full of grace and full of forgiveness because grace and forgiveness were extended to us. And through that, when you do that, it brings peace to you and glory to Jesus. So let's pray for that right now. Father, we love you, Lord. We, uh, Jesus, we just thank you for this message. Father, we thank you for Paul, for writing this letter, for showing us many things in this letter. Number one, Father, how to, how to disciple another brother in a tough situation. But Father, also how to live and love like you. And so, Lord, we just pray that we become a people like Paul, like you, Jesus, who have unconditional love for people and who have just abounding forgiveness, Father. That there's, if there's a situation in our personal lives that we just think cannot be reconciled, Father, that we would put ourselves in front of these people, that our hearts would open up to forgive them as you forgave us because you forgave us, right? Our motivation, Jesus, is to glorify you because of what you did for us. Your sacrifice shows your love for us, Father. We wanna praise you in that, in our, own, in our own lives. And so, Father, I pray that you just move us to reconcile with those who we have issues with and allow reconciliation to those who we owe it to. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with us this week, Father, as we navigate those, that you would give us the boldness to do this. But above all, Father, in our lives, in our personal lives, that we would concentrate our hearts and our minds on just glorifying you in every way. So, Father, watch over us, protect us, help us to reconcile these issues. And, Father, above all things, move us to more quiet time with you, more time in your word, more time in prayer, and above all things, Father, glorifying you in every way we can, with our mouths and with our deeds, and always to do it in your name, Jesus. And we love you, Jesus. We worship you. We glorify you. It's in your name we pray.